The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. I love when we've got a good news story. And the good news stories are good news stories because of the ups and downs. You understand that? It wouldn't be a good news story if it was always good news. The good news stories happen because of the ups and downs. And so we've had three really good news stories this past week as a family. First good news story is that it's my mother-in-law's 81st birthday today. Happy birthday, Joyce. 81. And... She's still incredibly good-looking and uh, still incredibly healthy and uh, the best mother-in-law in the whole wide world. I've never had one argument with my mother-in-law in, uh, in 36 years that I've known her, never one argument. How good is that? And she's never given me a hard time, not once. Well, maybe once when I was threatening to call Stephen Sebastian. She was, she was pretty pretty sort of uh, wondering back in 1981 whether we'd really call our son Sebastian and I used to tease her on that yeah I was trying to make up all these really exotic names and uh, anyway we ended up calling him Stephen so that was cool the other the other uh, great thing is that my eldest son Stephen got his apartment this week and bought into Lane Cove and uh, moved in this past week. And again, an incredible answer for prayer because we were praying for our kids to live near us and to be able to afford to buy near us and for God to give them jobs where they can work hard. And, and, so, and so that's number two. Christelle was the first to buy at Lane Cove. Now Stephen's bought at Lane Cove and, and, uh, and it's great to have the kids nearby. Then the third bit of great news is that this week Anne finally made it as the ambulance chaplain for the Northern Beaches. And so she is now the official ambulance chaplain for the Northern Beaches. And so I've married a lady in uniform, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Let me tell you. And uh, boy, oh boy, when she puts that red light on her head... Because when she's got to go to those calls, watch out. So, uh, so she was saying, because we got a, a big red Ford, and uh, she was saying that she's in uniform, and the ambulance chaplain's uniform looks like a police uniform, and she's in the big red car. She says, it's amazing how many cars slow down. <laughs> Whoa, okay. So, uh, and when she, when she walks past me, I slow down still, I'm telling you right now, okay. Okay, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Mark chapter 4? And uh, what I want to share with you today is the ups and downs that Jesus had. How many of you know that, that ups and downs are part of life and you're going to experience ups and downs? You're going to experience storms, spirits, and setbacks. And if Jesus experienced storms, spirits, and setbacks, it means that you'll probably experience storms, spiritual battles and setbacks. It's all part of the deal. But, but he experienced it so that he can teach us how to overcome them. And, uh, and so what the disciples didn't know was that in actual fact, all that was happening were all learning lessons for them. And so Jesus wanted them to go through the storm 
so that they would learn what to do when storms come. Jesus wanted them to face spiritual battles so that they would learn what to do when they face spiritual battles. Jesus wanted them to see how he responded to setbacks because setbacks and spiritual warfare and storms are all part of the journey of life. And let nobody tell you that when you get saved, you'll never experience another storm. You'll never experience a spiritual battle. You'll never experience a setback because they're lying to you. It's how we respond. Biblically, that's important. And so this morning, I'm going to try to open that up a little bit for you. So, so let's read this passage of the storm, the spirit and the setback. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Can I just stop there for a little while? Let us cross over to the other side because they were doing God's will. It was God's will for them to leave the place that they were, to get into a boat, cross the sea and go to the other side. Can I just say to you that for some of you, you need to go to the other side. God is calling you to go to the next level. And you're too comfortable on this side. And God is saying, go to the next level. Go to the other side. And too often, out of fear of failure, we don't attempt what God is wanting for us to attempt. But it's time for some of you to shake yourself out of the comfort zone and move to the other side. Now, when they left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose. Isn't that fascinating that when you're in the will of God, doing what God wants you to do, that sometimes a windstorm arises. And, and, and all we learn here is this, is that there is no free ride for anybody. There is always a rocky ride waiting at some time during your journey. And it goes and it says, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern. Where's the stern? The front of the boat or the back of the boat? Back of the boat. So here is in the back of the boat, in the stern. And what was Jesus doing? I know what he was doing. He was on his knees interceding for them, praying in the spirit. No, he was in the stern asleep. On a pillow. I love that. Nice and comfortable. On a pillow. They actually had a pillow on the boat for Jesus. I love that. So it's okay to be comfortable, folks. Okay? You don't have to rough it out all the time. And they awoke him saying, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Of course he cares. The only only difference is that he wasn't stressed as they were stressed. And so here's a lesson. Can you go through a storm stress-free? Or do you panic when you confront your storms? What's, what's the go? Some of you in the first service are saying, are you sure this is the same sermon as the first one? Huh? But you get, a, you get a, a double dip at it. You get a second bite at the cherry. And, uh, and, and he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. Come on, I just love those words. Peace be still. Can, can I speak into some lives right now that are stressed? And I want to speak three words. 
peace, be still. Can I add another couple of words? Be still and know that I am God. Can I just bring those two verses together? Peace, be still and know that I am God. Can, can I just say something to those that are stressed right now? That if you get into the middle of God's will, where you're doing what God has told you to do, you become a conqueror. You are undefeatable. You cannot sink. You become unsinkable. Isn't that awesome? That the very thing that you fear will never happen while you're in the middle of God's will. Because you cannot die before your God purpose is fulfilled. Here we go. Let's, let's, let's get this sorted out, okay? Your purpose in life is not to live to be a very old person. Because that can be very boring. Your purpose in life is to fulfill your God purpose. We need to get this sorted out because we are taught for too long that what you need to do in life is to live until you're very, 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 very old and then you die. No, let me teach you what this says. You need to live in order to fulfill your God purpose. And once your God purpose is fulfilled, then you're ready for glory. I don't care how old you are. If you haven't fulfilled your God purpose, you're not ready for glory. You're going to have nothing in heaven waiting for you. But when you fulfilled your God purpose, then you're ready Do you know how old Jesus was when he fulfilled his God purpose? He was 33. He was 33 when he fulfilled his God purpose. And so kaboom, he went to heaven. How old do you think the Apostle Paul was? How many of you know the Apostle Paul was one of the most influential Christian leaders that's ever walked upon this planet? He wrote most of the New Testament. He was 62. That's what a lot of commentators say. He was 62 when he says, "I've, I've finished my race. I'm done. I finished my race is another word for saying I fulfilled my God purpose. I'm ready. I'm ready. See, this is is where the martyrs have worked it out better than a lot of us. The martyrs have said, I fulfilled my God purpose. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to be promoted. You know, most of the apostles actually died, not of old age, but died of martyrdom. They fulfilled their God purpose. You You got Stephen. The, the, the deacon, the great man of God in Acts. And he fulfilled his God purpose. And so he was ready to go. And so he became the first Christian martyr in, 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 in the book of Acts. You can read it. The first Christian martyr. His name was Stephen. And he fulfilled his God purpose. And so he's ready to be promoted. Can, can I just, can I say, your goal ought not to be, I need to grow old. Your goal ought to be, I need to fulfill my God purpose. And so, and so, you know, when I, when I was a young pastor, I used to be going off to India back in the uh, 80s, and Anne would be so worried. You know, we had three little kids, and, and I'd be off for weeks on end, and this is the day before mobile phones and satellite phones, and, and sometimes I'd be right in the back blocks of India, not being able to get on phones because there, there weren't that many around where we went. And so she'd be worried. And and this is what I'd say to her, sweetheart, the devil 
cannot take one day from me that God has not purposed for my life. And so I'm in the middle of what God wants. And so I cannot stop one day short of fulfilling the God purpose while I'm in the middle of God's world. And I think if we get that whole mindset into our spirit, then we lose the fear of death. And if you lose the fear of death, the enemy actually lets go of a huge of a huge chain upon your life. Because a lot of people out of the fear of death are in bondage over their lives, just bondage. Anyway, I just you get that for free. Okay. So anyway, so then he, um, he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So wow, okay. We're, thank goodness that's over. The storm is over. And so they, they get to the other side. Whoa, thank God we're in the middle of God's will. We pass the storm. They get off the boat. And who should they encounter but a demon-possessed man? Out of the storm and confronting spirits all of a sudden. And hold on what this says. Then they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. When he came out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man who had an unclean spirit. This guy used to live in the cemetery. How many of you know that it's not a cool place to live, the cemetery? It is just uh, uh, an awkward place. I, I, I actually went to Newcastle Cemetery, Sandgate Cemetery the other day because there was some vandalism. And, um, and so my mother phoned up and said, John, would you go to the cemetery just to check your dad's your dad's grave in case they vandalized the grave and and uh, she says can I come with you and and this was in the middle of winter it was it was just I was going to visit my mum in Newcastle it was it was cold it was it was a misty night it was freezing cold there was a full moon and I thought oh look I'll go I'll go to the cemetery myself and not worry my mum just to check out dad's dad's grave and so Anyway, so I drive into the cemetery. There is not a soul inside. It's pitch dark except for the moon. And so as I'm driving in, um, I see some lights flashing on and off. And I thought, oh, there's people around. And then I realized, no, 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 actually, they're reflections of the light from the tombstones. Okay, so uh, anyway, so my father's... We're getting the sound effects and everything. <laughs> and so, anyway, so what happens is that my father's grave is right at the back of, of Sandgate Cemetery. We're talking right, right at the back. And so what happens is that I, um, I think, oh, yeah, it's, but it's pitch dark. There's no lights or anything. So I park the car, switch off the motor, and think that I found where his gravesite is. And I've got my mobile phone. I'm trying to, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm in the wrong place. So then I get back into the car, and the car doesn't start. So I said, Lord, please let this car start, please, in Jesus' name. And then, boom, the car starts again. You know, it starts. And so, and so then I finally find where the gravesite is, and I get out of the car. The motor is running this time, man. It's not going off for love nor money. So I get out, and I find the grave, and I give it a bit of a clean, but it's all in pristine condition, nothing wrong with it. So that I get into my car and I go to the cemetery gates to drive away and they'd lock the gates. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
I'm a man of God here. I, I, I'm not afraid of anything, you know. But I really don't want to spend the night locked in a cemetery. <laughs> so I said, Lord Jesus, please, there's got to be a back door somewhere. So I started driving around the cemetery, trying to find whether there was a, a back door somewhere that was left open. Anyway, good news story. There was a gate that was left open and I drove out thanking Jesus that I got out of the tombs. Anyway, I told you the story because it's got out of the cemetery. But imagine if when I was there, this guy with chains walks out of the cemetery, going, how many of you know that would really freak anybody out? Well, that's exactly what the disciples encountered. You know, out of the tombs walks this crazy man with chains dangling everywhere, freaking them right out. And Jesus is pretty cool. He's standing there saying, hey, guys, there is so much difference between the way you react to storms and spirits and the way that I react to storms and spirits. See, Jesus is in control over the storm. He's asleep. He's in control of the spirit. He's saying, come out, you foul spirit, set this man free. And yet we live in life just, just so afraid of these things, just running away from them because, because they've got a hold over us in the fear factor. And all Jesus had was not the fear factor, but the faith factor. And the faith factor is what you need to have. The faith factor that says, hey, Storm, (laughs) guess what? My God is bigger than you. You think you're loud, but you wait till my God roars. He can roar louder than you. Is that the best wave that you can manufacture? My God actually made all of the waters. Huh? You've only got a little bit in your wave. God made them all. So you think you can swamp me? Well, guess what? I'm in the palm of God's hands and that's more powerful. Come on, see this? You either live in the fear factor or you live in the faith factor. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. Is that storms you're going to have with you all the time? Are you going to let them constantly grab hold of you and put fear into your life? Or you're just going to say, hey, Jesus, i got a bit of a storm here. I know that you're fast asleep and I know these things don't unsettle you, but I'm feeling a little bit unsettled at the moment, so I'm just praying, okay? Just talking to you about it. Hey, Jesus, uh, my car won't start in the cemetery and there's this crazy guy with chains chasing me. Is it okay if we rebuke these spirits in Jesus' name? You will confront storms. You will confront spirits. And all Jesus is wanting to teach you is how to react when you confront your storms, when you confront your spirits. And then it talks about your setbacks. Your setbacks. So here's the story, okay? Here's this crazy man full of spirits. Just We're not talking about mental health issues. We're talking about spiritual issues. Now, maybe in today's day and age, they would classify them as mental health issues. But what the Bible says is that this guy had spiritual issues. So Jesus cast the evil spirits out and this man was free. And so when the villagers who knew about this man, they were the ones that tried to chain him up. They were the ones that tried to restrain him but couldn't do anything about it. When they came out and they see this guy fully sane, fully clothed, fully just happy, They freak out. And this is what it says. Verse 15. 
Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Uh, Excuse me, folks, you should have been afraid before, not now. It's like, now you should be happy. But rather than happy, they were afraid. And it goes on, it says, And those who saw it told them how it happened to him and how... And who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Can you, can you work that one out? It's like, hello, Jesus, the Son of God, has just come. He's done an incredible job, and now you're wanting him to go? Can I just say that sometimes in doing good, you're going to get your setbacks. Not everybody's going to interpret what you do good as being good. And so, and so they got Jesus to take off. Can you believe that even Jesus can have setbacks? Can you believe? Here he was. This was his dream. I've come to set the captives free. And so, bang, there it was, a captive set free. Are there more in this region? Of course there were. But you know what's interesting? This is what's interesting, this region of Gadara. is an interesting region because a few years ago, Anne and I were in Jordan. And believe it or not, the city of Gadara is now still in Jordan. Let me get this right, okay? It's never moved. It's, it's, it's a, so before it was on the Sea of Galilee, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, but the land wasn't called Jordan, but now it's the nation of Jordan. And so this city is now in the nation of Jordan. And so Anne and I were ministering in the capital of Jordan, Amman, and we had all these pastors gathered together and we had a lunch with them to talk to them about church health. And one of the pastors came and introduced himself and he said, I am the pastor from the town of Gadara. And I said, the town of Gadara from the Bible? He says, the town of Gadara from the Bible. I says, well, tell me about it. He says, nothing's changed. I said, what's the story? He says, this place is still a habitation of spirits. He says, people are still into witchcraft. Still, People are still into the occult. People are still, and they don't want to hear about Jesus. And I thought, my goodness, just a whole region can be so overcome by spiritual forces that we fight. And so even Jesus couldn't break through in that town. But you know what his attitude was? You know what? If you don't want to hear, I'll get in the boat. And he goes to the other side, and he lands in Capernaum. And so this is the beautiful thing about Jesus, is that he never let the setback discourage him. He never let the setback just destroy his faith. Because the temptation for you is a setback to discourage you and disappoint you and destroy your faith. Because I've seen so many people, when setbacks and what's a setback when you've got a dream that doesn't come to pass? We're talking Jesus' dream to set the captives free. They didn't let him. It's a setback. But did he let it destroy him? Did he let the disappointment and discouragement destroy him? No. His attitude, well, well hey, you know what? You guys don't want what I've got. Let me get into the boat. And he crosses over. And when he lands in Capernaum, waiting for him is the leader of the synagogue. His name is Jarius. And he's clapping and he's saying, oh, Jesus, I am so grateful that you've come. My daughter is terribly sick. Please, please come to my house. It was a setback, 
But just a few hours later, there's an open door. Come on. Don't let your setbacks define you. Don't let your setbacks define your future. Don't let your setbacks define your destiny. Don't let your setbacks define what you believe God's doing in your life. Setbacks are part for the course. They are there. They happen to us all the time. Man, have Anne and I had some setbacks. Hey, you know, this, this, this celebration of Anne's chaplaincy with the ambulance, talk about some setbacks. How many times did she apply and was rejected because she was Pentecostal? You know, there's sometimes you've just got to keep knocking and just keep knocking. And so we're talking this journey has taken Anne 17 years. 17 years. And you know what? There have been setbacks in those 17 years. But you know what? She didn't let the setbacks define her. She just kept moving. She just kept looking for the open door. What, that door's shut? That's okay. That's fine. Let's find where an open door is. And so eventually she ended up coming back and that shut door became an open door. And can I just say to you that if you don't give up, you'll overcome. And so Jesus goes to Capernaum, there's Jairus saying, come to my house. He starts going to Jairus' place, people are following. There's this other woman who had an issue of blood. She had a hemorrhage for, for, for 12 years and she hears that Jesus is in town and she's not wanting him to leave. She goes up and she says, if only you touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so whereas people are saying, go away, other people are saying, please come, come to my place. Come on, can you understand this? That a setback for you is only God redirecting you. God is redirecting you. And too many people sit at the crossroad of setback and start to camp there and say, I'm not budging from here until the door opens. Jesus' attitude is, door won't open, let me find another one. Come on. Are you hearing me? Just overcoming storms, just three very quick points to overcome a storm, a spirit, and a setback. Number one, get a word. If you want to overcome anything in life, you've got to get a word. I, I, I believe in the general word of God, which is the whole Bible. And then I believe in the specific word of God, which is a direct word for me. So the whole Bible is God's general word. But then what happens is that there are specific words that you need, specific words for guidance. There are so many There are so many avenues that you can walk down that are all in God's will because they're not sin. But there are specific things that God wants you to do. You know, I mean, for me, as a a teenager growing up, and um, you can come up, Tim, I'm I'm just coming in for the landing. One of the things is this, is to serve God, that's the general word for every single person, every single one of you. You're called to serve God. You're not called to serve the world, you're called to serve God. But for me, I needed a specific word to launch out into ministry, into full-time ministry. And so God spoke to me so clearly out of Acts. And uh, he gave me a specific word. And, And it was on the 14th of January, 1978. And he spoke to me out of um, Acts 26, 16 that says, But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, 
to make you a minister. And that word was the foundation stone on which I've launched my ministry. 1978, we're talking 38 years ago. In January, it'll be 38 years ago. And you know what? There have been times when that word has been tested. There have been times when I thought, well, you know what? These setbacks have so discouraged me, disappointed me, that maybe God used me for a season, and now that time's up. And, you know, sometimes you're just ready to walk away. But you know what? You stand on God's word, and it encourages you. I don't know how many times I had to turn back to the book of Acts, especially in those early years where you doubt yourself and you stand on God's word that he's going to see you through. Some of you some of you are facing difficulty right now and you just need to stand on God's word. He that started a good work in you is going to complete it. You know, the enemy is screaming at you through storms, through spirits, through setbacks. But you've got to just turn to the word. Find the word. Get the word. Second thing is don't compromise. Don't compromise. One of the big temptations is to compromise. One of the big temptations is to quit on God and find another path. Let me just say to you that compromise is one of the signs of the last days. The Bible says in the last days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. There's compromise in the church. There's compromise in the world. There's compromise in theology. There's compromise everywhere. Come on. God's looking for a people that won't compromise. God's looking for a people that'll stand sure and firm on the word of God as it is, that won't go on the wide road, that'll stay on that narrow road. Don't compromise. And the third thing I want to say, if you want to overcome storms, spirits, and setbacks, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Come on. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he will lead you through. You find that Jesus, he's ahead of you. He's going before you. You've got to keep your eyes on him. Can I just say the biggest temptation for you is to take your eyes off Jesus and look to the storm? How many of you remember the incredible story of Peter walking on the water? This is what the Bible says, that when he saw the wind and the waves... So Jesus is saying, Peter, come out, walk to me. And so while he was looking to Jesus, he was walking on the water. But then the wind and the waves distracted him. The wind and the waves just began to roar. The wind and the waves says, look at me, look at me. And he took his eyes to Jesus and looked at the wind and the waves. And that's when he began to fall. I mean, Jesus was so close that he was able to reach out and grab him. But even that close... Peter still took his eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Come on. Don't look to your trial. Don't look to your tribulation. Don't look to your storm. Don't look to those spirits. Don't look to those setbacks. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Can I just say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, suffered the shame, suffered the pain. He ran the race. He finished the race. He got the prize on your behalf. And he's declared you more than conquerors, more than conquerors. Come on, you want to win. You want to finish. You want to accomplish your God purpose. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who suffered the shame of the cross so that you might have life. He gave up his life that you might have life, as Danny so eloquently shared with us this morning. He gave his life that you might have life. And that's the sad example that he set for us. Come on, let's live that in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.